At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash savagepremium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, <laughs> with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much welcome to the michael savage podcast Today we talk about the eight reasons Putin may not be bluffing about nuclear weapons and why this wouldn't have happened if Trump were president. That's a critical part of this interview. Rebecca Koffler wrote Putin's playbook. She is a Russian-born U.S. intelligence expert who served as a Russian doctrine and strategy specialist in the Defense Intelligence Agency. She's worked with the DIA and the CIA's National Clandestine Service. Uh-oh. Better be nice to her. And she has led red teams during war games and advised senior Pentagon officials. I hope she likes me. Of course, we never met. And I hope I never meet her because it may be the last person I meet on the, on the earth. I'm joking. I don't. She doesn't mince words. And she dives into the psyche of Mr. Putin, explaining why we should not dismiss his threats as idle threats. And then Miss Koffler outlines the measures Trump put in place that would have prevented this invasion of Ukraine if Trump were still president. This is Michael Savage. Thanking you for listening. I suggest you share this with five others. It's a pleasure to see you again, uh, Rebecca Likewise. Koffler. 
You wrote that great book, Putin's Playbook, which we spoke about earlier on yes. uh, the Michael Savage podcast. And we're all sitting here saying we're worried. Everyone is worried because there seems to be a lack of diplomacy, which is an understatement. There is no diplomacy. The West is sitting like a bunch of children watching a, a fight and egging the two sides on to keep killing each other. There's no diplomacy. There's no U.N. The other night I was pleased, actually relieved to hear Macron say two things. Macron is a centrist, as we all know, and Macron said that France will not use nuclear weapons preemptively should nuclear weapons be used between Russia in Russia and Ukraine, which I thought was amazing for Macron to step apart from the other idiots who are just egging everyone on. New York Post, Rebecca Koffler, headline, eight reasons Putin may not be bluffing about using nuclear weapons. And you have said that it is an existential threat to him and Russia. And I was surprised by the fact that you said it's an existential threat to Russia. I understand it's an existential threat to him. But why Russia? Why do they need to beat Ukraine? Very simple. Uh, Ukraine has been part of Russia's strategic security perimeter uh, on which Russia relied for its security for centuries. And um, basically, it's the doctrine of uh, trading enemy's blood for territory because Russia is indefensible. It's a land, you know, uh, it's a huge land mass. And for centuries, when it was invaded, you know, in order to protect Moscow, the seat of the Russian government, the, the Kremlin, the adversary had to march through miles and miles. And so with the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, the distance between NATO forces and uh, Moscow and St. Petersburg has reduced from a thousand miles and 1300 miles, respectively, Moscow and St. Petersburg. Uh, to 100 miles and 300 miles, okay? So the closest distance right now is 100 miles, which is shorter distance than between New York and Baltimore or Washington. I mean, if we had Russia or China, if we had Russia or China within 100 miles, yes, uh, would we accept that risk? And so this is his version. Well, I understand what you're saying. Okay, it's his version of the Monroe Doctrine and no sane military economy. Okay, so hey, let me say this if I can. Yeah. When Zelensky was running for office, he was quoted as saying he will not want to join NATO. That was one of the reasons the people in Ukraine voted for him because they did not want a confrontation with Russia, as far as I understand it. And then all of a sudden, this uh, guy, Zelensky, gets power mad and he says, now I want to join NATO. What did he expect Russia to do? I have no idea what Zelensky expected. He is uh, acting irrationally first because he knows uh, Putin's doctrine and what it means, but he must be really seduced by um, his status of an international hero right now because he's been able to um, galvanize the entire Western world. His manipulated uh, President Biden into opening the spigot indefinitely where the American taxpayers' hard-earned uh, money, billions of them, are flowing into Ukraine, depleting our own weapons supply, and what's not to like. So, um, unfortunately... You mean what's not to like? For, yeah, he's getting away with, with uh, stomping around on the world stage, acting like he's the savior of the West, when in my opinion, and I've said it before, it's the opposite. He is bringing the world to the brink of nuclear armageddon and somebody has to say enough is enough no one is saying that when kissinger three months ago miss koffler said it's time for peace talks and ukraine must give up some territory the world condemned kissinger saying he's senile he's old when we have a senile president who's clearly senile they suddenly the king has no clothes but <clears throat> how can this be stopped this madness this rush to armageddon 
Can it be stopped? It's very difficult right now, Dr. Savage, to stop because all of the three men involved in this, Zelensky, Putin, and President Biden, <laughs> they have no motivation to stop. Zelensky, ah. as you said, he can't go, give up you know, his, his, his status, you know, his yes. whole image of an international hero, hero. will collapse. And um, um, also, President Biden cannot stop because we have already climbed up the tree so yeah. high that no. nobody can climb down the tree. Oh. Uh, President Biden does not want to what he perceives and his entire, you know, Washington establishment. And by the way, it's bipartisan. Um, yes, that they is true. don't want to hand uh, victory to Putin because that's how it would be perceived because of how far we climbed well, up. Rebecca, and today, so, today, I would quote defense secretary, who is an embarrassment, by the way, to anybody who knows what a defense secretary should be, had the nerve to say we will not back down one inch from the defending every inch of NATO soil. What the hell was that about? I have no idea because Ukraine is not part of NATO. That's right. And, so what was that about? And, and, and what I am, what I'm hearing, well, here's what uh, I think that's about. Um, next week, NATO and the United States are conducting um, a nuclear exercise. Oh, great. As close as within 600 miles from the Russian border. Oh, Jesus. That what? is the distance between New York and Quebec city in, in 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 canada for example so they're having a nuclear exercise within 600 miles of russian territory as a provocation well i didn't say it was a provocation no i just said, said it's said a that to me it's a provocation well what if china had a what if china had a nuclear exercise in mexico i uh i would imagine we also would say that we will use all <laughs> available options in our own arsenal, including nuclear weapons, to prevent that from happening, <laughs> right? Um, so, but it's but terrible. this is no longer a joke, Dr. Savage. In this No, no, we, we're laughing out of it's 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 gallows humor right now. Exactly. In this exercise, um nuclear capable fighter jets uh with no live warheads, thank goodness. But nuclear-capable uh, fighter jets will be flying. Coincidentally, and I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek, the Russians are going to have their own nuclear exercise also <laughs> in Europe. And what could go oh, wrong boy. with this? And Nothing. I can explain to yeah. you, going back to history, what could go wrong, uh, Dr. Savage. Back in 1983... We had a major war scare that American people didn't even realize because the information was highly classified about that mm. until mm. recently, right? So NATO was conducting uh, another nuclear exercise called the Able Archer. Well, this was during a time of very, very high tensions, just like we have right now. If you remember, you and your viewers, um, the how... Korean airliner was shot down. Oh, I remember it. KAL 800. I, I don't remember the number. KAL uh, 007, right? This was, an, um, this was a uh, passenger airliner. And yes. uh, carrying on board a U.S. Uh, senator uh, from Alabama, I think. And uh, everyone was killed because um, by a Russian missile, by the way, because mistakenly the airliner uh, breached the Russian airspace. And because of the high tensions, it um, the Russians didn't even bother identifying uh, that airliner. They thought this was a U.S. spy plane. They shot it down. And so during the exercise, the nuclear exercise, that is, I'm just explaining to you the context, which oh, is it's fine. Um, I'm listening to I'm, I'm an Russians, apt listener. The Russians <laughs> pay attention to these things. Right. Um, so do, when they saw 
that the nuclear exercise was about to begin, they placed all their leadership in the bunker because they thought that we were about to lob a nuclear strike on them. Well, thank goodness the intelligence community had no idea. We only, like I said, this only recently um, when we were going through intelligence collection um, bucket going back years, we realized how close we were to the nuclear war. Why? Because if we saw, if the intelligence community saw what we call INW, that, uh, which is what putting the leadership in the bunker is, we would have you know, initiated a nuclear launch. Okay, so what you have a situation right now, you have two guns cocked or two, you know, adversaries with guns cocked and loaded, ready to go. The Russians, even though these are exercises, but there's a high risk of miscalculation because of the fog of war, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very simple concept. And so if the Russians are paranoid on top of that, uh, it's a culture that is predisposed for the worst case scenario, including Putin himself. And Mm -hmm. so Putin has a preemptive doctrine. And God forbid that the Russians determine that we are about to strike them, you know, first, which is, I believe, why... um, out of concern, the Secretary of Defense says, we are going to defend every NATO country because knowing the doctrine and all of these people have been briefed. I personally briefed, you know, every, you know, all the high leadership in the Pentagon, um, the European Command, Northern Command, STRACOM, you name it, NATO, right? Everybody's aware. So I think what they are thinking is that they're signaling to the Russians, do not pull any you know, nonsense, or we will protect every NATO country. Do you understand? So they are anticipating, they are bringing us on the brink of nuclear Armageddon. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We we understand that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. We also understand NATO rules say you cannot add someone who is at war to NATO. So they couldn't overnight put Ukraine into NATO, could they? Well, they can. T- I mean, they can change the rules, right? It's uh, of course. I'm sorry. What am I saying? It's 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 Biden. Of course. What am I saying? I mean, these the people, man who shakes hands with an Easter bunny, people, the man who shakes hands with an Easter bunny. Sure, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, they are so eager to bloody Putin's nose that they are overlooking yes. threats to they are willing to risk our own security. And nuclear is not even like the um, uh, the next step on the escalation ladder. <clears throat> and that no, they could use a bunker busting bomb and, and do damage that exceeds that of a tactical nuke, couldn't they? Exactly. Or a cyber, you know, a crippling cyber attack. I mean, cyber Armageddon is uh, by the Russians viewed uh, just like nuclear, except without the nuclear mushroom. That is. Wait, so so in other words, he could be saying, don't take nukes off the table. Don't keep pushing us around. Meanwhile, it could be a ploy to be planning a cyber attack. So um, Putin, it, it, do you agree with that, that they could be planning a cyber attack? And whom do you mean by they? Who? The Russians? Absolutely. I mean, we just saw a denial of service attack on 12 of our airports. We Yes. What was that? Okay, I will explain what that was. That is what we call in the intelligence business a shot across the bow. And I got it. In fact, I have an uh, open source, you know, unclassified intelligence assessment on the Fox News website. Um, that is called Putin's um, Cyber Armageddon Doctrine, where mm-hmm. I explain where mm-hmm. all of this is going. Uh, the Russians have been mapping out our critical infrastructure networks for decades. OK, the very first uh, cyber operation dates back to the 90s called uh, Moonlight Maze. And um 
they are doing what is called intelligence preparation of the battlefield. They penetrate every possible government um, agency with cyber, the Pentagon, the White House, the State Department, and our critical infrastructure. Remember the attacks on the meat processing plant, on the colonial pipeline. And in fact, yesterday, um, the Russian government said that the United States and NATO are becoming a party to this conflict. And this is a s- signaling. So CISA, the Critical Infrastructure Security Agency, just put out an alert. In, in fact, about 28 advisories they made to our industrial control systems owners. Okay? Because we are accept- accepting the risk, and we are warning in a way about the possibility of a Russian cyber attack. In fact, you know, the CISA director herself warned about it on Tuesday evening, saying the Russians are unpredictable, they're very capable of doing it. And this is exactly why this is a shot across the bow that the Russians are signaling we. And, and cyber is very flexible, right? You can do a uh, an attack with reversible effects, just like at the airports, because they didn't penetrate the flight control systems. It was only the website, right? But they're signaling. It was only the what? The websites? Right. It was the it, it was um it was the websites. But they certainly have the capability, and Russia is considered to be the top foreign cyber threat. They have a very robust cyber arsenal. Uh, they are superior in programming skill in um, in, in in programming um, power rather. The uh, the speed of attack, the concealment, and the speed of attack means that they propagate through the network once they are in. Right, once the malware in, you have so little time to react and defend, they're all over your network. And this this is what happened uh, with Kilnet, the pro-Russian, um, or rather Russian cyber criminal group. Kilnet that attacked the entire infrastructure of the largest U.S. bank, J.P. Morgan, on Monday. On Monday? Correct. So, Rebecca Koffler, there's a couple of things in your article, Eight Reasons Putin May Not Be Bluffing about using nuclear weapons. You said this, and I've been reading it, and I'm going to ask you if if this verified or is this propaganda. In the past seven months since Putin invaded Ukraine, Russian forces have lost approximately 80,000 personnel and killed 9,000 Ukrainians, thousands wounded and maimed on both sides. Is that true? He did lose 80,000 personnel? This is, so this is Pentagon's assessment. It's either killed or wounded. Do you think it's true? I don't have um, hard intelligence to confirm that this is true. These are very large numbers. Yeah, because Um, we have to remember how many men were killed in Vietnam, a war that went on for years. It was what, 55,000 men lost their lives in Vietnam after five years or so. I don't see that Russia could have lost 80,000 men in such a short period of time. Well, then we can call out, you can call out the Pentagon for lying. Um, but well, wait, what, this is the same Pentagon that is looking for white supremacists exactly. in their ranks. They're this is the same for, Pentagon that thinks white nationalism is a bigger threat than any threat on the planet. So, sure, I trust them. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't trust the intelligence community either because I work there. And uh, I know how these people operate. I mean, 50 of them put their names down on this letter saying how the Biden, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop was Russian disinformation, right? Yeah, so, they made that up. And in, 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 in the same people concocted the whole Russia collu- uh, Trump collusion theory. Yes. They've misdirected resource intel precious intelligence resources away from real threats you know from russia from china from you know uh, north korea this is why all of these adversaries are popping their uh real ugly you know heads right now and uh so no we can't you know 
trust them 100%. But on that point, the, even if that were true, Dr. Savage, the Russians lost, the Russians can have high tolerance for casualties. Okay. Wait, that's an important point that I think my listeners need to hear. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on Demand. I'm an American who studied war. I've seen the data on war, and I study hard data on war. But, you know, the 1940s are not the uh, year 2022, and the Russian today is not the Russian of the 1940s, where they were willing to be driven like cannon fodder into, into German artillery. I don't know that the same is true, is it? So what I wanted to say is they've lost, you know, 20, 25 million people in World War Two. OK, the Russians, the Russians did. Obvi- right. Correct. And so 25 million, we should focus on what that means. So 25 million Russians were killed in World War Two. I know for a fact that four million Russians died in the last few months of World War Two, taking only. Uh, Berlin, when already the most of the Russian, the German army was destroyed. And they they did so, by the way, because the Russian military shot anyone in the back who wouldn't advance onto the German onto the German machine guns or German troops. So that was then. But is that doctrine still in place? It's still in place. I mean, oh. it, it has it, it has to because Russian weaponry is not as good at ours. It's not as accurate as ours. It's not it's not as uh reliable and so they always come but you know rebecca you're missing a key point as a key intelligent op- intelligence okay. officer Go you're ahead. missing a major league point sure we are told that transgenders in the military uh which is diversity creates strength and great fighting strength so if the <laughs> russians saw all these men running at them with high heels i'm sure they would run off the battlefield <laughs> of course of course they would yeah <laughs> I'm sorry and, uh, i have to inject some of this because i look at this like it's a mad comic, but it isn't a joke. Yes, no, we it's absolutely uh, no joke. The fact that the Pentagon is paying more attention to the pronouns than <laughs> to our combat readiness and teaching our officers on how to win battles. Um, this I would is, say they're paying more attention to the pronouns than the neutrons. Uh, it's exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of neutrons, one of the other points that I'm making in this piece of why Putin um, actually may not be bluffing and I'm assessing that he's not is because last week in a very aggressive anti-U.S. speech, he said that it's actually it's the United States that set the precedent for nuclear warfare. He was referring to um, us dropping two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. Yes. Why? To end the, the conflict. Okay? Well, that's right. Little boy and fat man were dropped over Little Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki, killing about Ex- 149,000, 225,000 Japanese people, mainly civilians. And I do remember, and we all read it, and the reason Truman did so in his rationale to the American people was to hasten, hasten victory and minimize U.S. casualties because more men would have died. I know that my my former father-in-law was in the Navy. He, he's passed away. He was told after fighting in Europe for many years, his next assignment would have been Japan. Hand-to-hand fighting in Japan would have cost Americans about a half a million men, according to our, all estimates. So the calculus was made. Let's just snuff these two cities and they'll stop fighting. Well, that is exactly the calculus that Putin is making. And and he's saying that we set the precedent. And by the way, his capability is um, is low yield. It's much lower yield. It's under it can be like under one kiloton. So for comparison, you just said the little boy was uh, 15 kiloton. The fat uh, man was uh, about 21, I think. Oh, and oh I was going to ask you what the, the, the kiloton um yeah, 15 and, to 21. Right. And so here's the difference. What the Russians are thinking is that this is going to have a much smaller fallout. It's not going to wreak the same devastation um, as uh, as it did in Japan. But they're mm. hoping to psychologically dislodge Zelensky. And where would they where would they drop a, a, a one kilo ton 
nuclear weapon. If they, right. in your opinion, if the Russians were to go to the, the back to the wall and they're going to do it, where would they where would they drop it? Would they drop it on Kiev? So there's a possibility. Uh, so there's one possibility um, that is called a demonstration strike that could be done. Wow in the open, in the Black Sea, without targeting anything specific. And that's in order to signal to us that he's prepared to drop another one on a particular target. They would drop it in the sea and kill all that herring? (laughs) Well, I I can't help but you have a wonderful sense of humor, and I have to see it come out once in a while to keep myself from going nuts here. Hey, Doc. Um, they didn't they do something uh, similar with the Nord Stream under the Baltic Sea, Who you know, did creating that? a hazardous, um, a, a basically an environmental disaster. disaster. We haven't okay. heard one word from Greenpeace, have we? Who did that? Was it the Russians or the Americans? Ninety nine percent Russians. And I have another opinion. They did. They they blew up their own pipeline. I have my intelligence analysis unclassified on the Fox News website called Top Five Reasons Why the Russians Are Behind the Nord Stream. So why? why? I'll tell you exactly why. Uh, because, yeah, because but, it, from, a, from, a, yes. from an average man's point of view, me, um, I would say, would Exxon blow up their own gas stations? And their own pipelines. No, because it's not in the same situation. So let me go through the uh, through the reasons very quickly. But then I um, commend everybody to take a look at that piece on the Fox News website. Uh, top five reasons why Russia is behind the Nord Stream uh, okay. pipeline leak. So since you mentioned this analogy, which is uh, not it's a, it's not a good analogy, I'm afraid to say, Doc. I'm sorry to contradict you here. No, I don't mind. I love being told why my analogy is flawed. I love that. It doesn't (laughs) it doesn't affect me. It affects my analogy. Okay. see, that's the difference between me and everyone else in the media. They take any criticism as that. So personal. It's an idea. If the idea is invalid, it's invalid. It doesn't hurt me. Love it. Okay. so here (laughs) you go. So see, pure logic. I'm a I'm a a descendant of Aristotle. (laughs) Um, Okay. so. Here's the deal with the Nord Stream, right? Nord Stream um, was of no use to Putin in the short term. Here's why. Nord Stream 1, I I mean, Nord Stream 2 was never activated. The Germans refused to certify it as punishment for Putin uh, for invading Ukraine. So it wasn't revenue producing. Nord Nord, uh, Nord Stream 1 was shut down by the Russians themselves. They uh, in August, okay, in in um, in July, they reduced the gas flows to twenty uh, percent um, to signal again that they're gonna sw- they're switching. This is ne- next generation warfare, the Russians call it, right? So. Um, so it wasn't revenue producing either because they said that um, because of the sanctions, they cannot repair the pipeline. OK, so but it's an excellent opportunity to signal where he's going next. So and it, it the- was just it was to frighten Germany primarily of what's happening if they, if they do this. Yeah. No, it's not only the Germans, but NATO in general, because, again, NATO knows Putin's doctrine and he's signaling because I briefed them. Personally. Is all Actually, of NATO that dependent upon Russian gas? It's not just uh, Doc, you're not. So let me just explain. OK, this. Is, so I personally briefed NATO in the run up to Putin's invasion of Crimea. OK, they know and, and they've done nothing about it to beef up the force posture. And in fact, to the opposite, NATO members still don't pay most of them. OK, only eight pay two uh, percent. Uh, right. The United States is the one that pays 69 percent of NATO budget. OK, so but the doctrine is this. It's uh, it's called strategic operation to defeat critical infrastructure of the adversary or in Russian, that's subcorp, where they're switching from conventional warfare, which they are losing because they're running of precision guided missiles. Um, And so Mm. they are signaling to us that this is what's going to be 
about. It's going to be space warfare, cyber warfare, all targeting critical infrastructure and underwater um, warfare. Russia is the only country that has the capability to sever these cables covertly. And in fact, the Russians can also, what they can do, they can cut off um, Europe from the rest of the world uh, in terms of communication. They can cut those communication cables under undersea. The underseas uh, <clears throat> um, cables that that send the internet, for example. Exactly. And that's the, um, and that's the doctrine. And so the same thing with the homeland, it's not going to be done to that kind of level. Right. Uh, But in terms of the homeland, they've mapped out uh, all of our critical infrastructure. And in fact, president Biden himself, remember about a year ago, he handed to Putin a list of critical infrastructure, um, facilities saying do not touch it do not cyber attack i mean isn't that marvelous so he was basically telling putin which uh critical sectors are important for us and so the doctor that was biden telling putin don't do this don't do that well remember he was he was uh calling him the killer and doing saying all these yeah he was provoking everyone said don't do that to an adversary the Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Rebecca, look, you're an expert, and you've you've uh, sat in on, you've advised, you provided intelligence for some of the very same people you are. We are discussing today, which is a real honor to speak with you. And you're saying that Putin may not be bluffing about using nukes, but. Is there a chance that this could be resolved without further warfare in the next few months? Well, that would require a de-escalation strategy, Doc, which Washington doesn't have. Why? Excuse me. Why is Washington incapable of de-escalating this conflict? I will. I will explain to you exactly why. So, first piece of. uh, information is that every single war game and i've participated in dozens of them uh simulating uh russia u.s conflict every single you've war participated game, in these war games where i mean how in, defense, in the defense intelligence agency oh so in, you work in, for the dia okay got it yeah i'm a former dia officer but uh believe me i i pay great respect to you i know one wrong word and uh, i better be careful where i walk <laughs> okay, so every single war game uh, was artificially ended. The first time that, <clears throat> excuse me, when the Russians uh, would drop a nuke, the game would stop. Why? Because we have no policy on what to do next. Why don't we have oh. a policy? It's because we view nuclear warfare as unthinkable, but uh-huh. not the Russians. We um, under the Obama administration, we launched the so-called Nuclear Zero Initiative. And when I say we, I don't mean myself or the no, I, I mean, understand. I mean we the United we collective we the United States, you know, Washington geniuses, right? So we want to zero <laughs> out our nuclear arsenal. Unbelievably, you know, at the time when <laughs> China has embarked on unprecedented um, level, you know, a pace of nuclear modernization. And when Russia has developed a unique capability, we are trying to zero it out. And so this is why we think, oh, this is just never going to happen. It's never going to come to that. Just like by the same, you know, token, remember when. You know, and again, like I was waving the flag. I, I wrote the book, Putin's playbook, Russia's secret plan to defeat America, where I was warning this is Putin is going to do this. But I predicted this war, you know, but all the Washington geniuses were saying, oh, no, Russia is a gas station masquerading as a country and its GDP is the size of Italy. And therefore, it's not, Putin is not going to do what he said he's going to do. You know, Putin never made it a secret. And so it's the same stupidity, the same mentality. <clears throat> that prevented us from developing a de-escalation strategy is because we don't think it's going to happen. Rebecca, 
in this last week after the um, bridge the crimea was truck bombed which is an interesting question unto itself i was shocked at what that zelensky said afterwards when they asked him did ukraine do it he had the nerve the audacity to get up there and say oh the weather is warm in ukraine right now but very hot in in russia or something like that this clown doesn't seem to get the fact that not everyone in the world is in love with him and that he's playing with not fire but two dynamite sticks that are sizzling in his hands so who blew up the bridge was it ukraine it is my assessment that Ukraine is behind it and that it makes sense. I mean, Zelensky makes sense, um, you know, knowing their war goals and Zelensky's definition of victory. Zelensky's definition of victory is um, when Russia returns all of the captured territories, um, including the Crimea. And that's why um, they are likely behind blowing up the bridge and the Ukrainians themselves signaled that it's them that did it. But it makes total sense from the. Uh, so Putin reacts to this bridge terrorism or blowing up a part of the bridge with missile strikes into the heart of Ukraine. Right. Cruise that missiles. also makes sense from the doctrinal standpoint, because uh, the bridge is an essential uh, component for two reasons. A, it has. Uh, practical utility, a very important one. It was the main supply route to um, to, to provide all of the uh, supplies for, for, for their operation. But mm. it's also big symbolically. Putin himself inaugurated uh, this bridge. It was his pet project. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so he so escalated. It was, an ins- it was a personal insult to Putin from the Ukrainians as well. It was a personal smack in the face. Well, that would that was too. But the most important re, uh, reason, Doc, is that the Russians consider Crimea as their own territory, <clears throat> and so doctrinally, if someone attacks the Russian territory, that they that requires escalation. It's the same reason why he annexed the four regions captured regions why it's because he wants to clear the doctrinal requirement to be able to use nuclear weapons because ah, I got again it. it's um by dot putin he's an attorney right he wants he wants to do everything legally even the and then when when he can't do something legally he just changes the law because who putin Putin does. Yes, he's he's, he's, mean, a, he's legally trained as a lawyer. Oh, yes, he's a lawyer and he's he's an economist. He has a Ph.D. in economics as well. And this is oh, why you mean he, just like Biden. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the sanctions haven't had the desired impact that the Biden administration thought they would have because Putin sanction proved his economy. He de-dollarized um, the international reserves in favor of uh, the Chinese yuan, the euro and the gold. He beefed up his uh, sovereign wealth fund and uh, he instituted uh, what's called an import substitution uh, program where the Russian manufacturers were supposed to manufacture a lot of things domestically. So um, they can do a good job, you know, at all of that stuff. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Oh, Rebecca, it's very interesting what you're saying. No one knows this much about Putin. I, for the, As much as I've read and studied, I had no idea he was trained in law and he's an economist. I had no idea. Is the ruble still strong? I know that the U.S. tried to destroy the ruble and suddenly it turned out to be stronger than it was by June. It was stronger than it was before this started. Where is the ruble today? I I don't have today's numbers for you, but uh, I can look it up. But uh, ruble, as you know, um, unlike most other con- uh, currencies, was in, you know, was 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 rising. And in fact, the Economist uh, magazine remarked the other day that the Russian economy is uh, is on the upswing. Actually, it's doing better than our economies. I mean, we are going That's just the other day in the left leaning economist. That's pretty interesting. 
I mean, the, now that even they acknowledged, I'm saying it unbelievable to you, that when they acknowledge it, I'm sorry. So economically, Putin outfoxed the whole West again. That's what happened. But guess what? And not only he's a Ph.D., his top economist, the central banker, is Elvira Nabiulina. She is MIT trained. He has <laughs> people who are trained in the West. And so all of this stuff was um, was in the works for decades, this whole plan. He looked at it uh, very holistically. It's not just on the battlefield. You, you know. mean if, if this happens, we're going to do this ec- on the economic front? Exactly. They were this ready is- for something like this. If, Correct. If it came- Unreal. Because we've been sanctioning them since 2014, right? Yes. There's nothing new about it. And it never changed his behavior. Like, why did we think that all sense it can change his behavior? Uh, it's two different. The economic concerns and security concerns are two different things. And that's just not what he bases his decision calculus on. But he tries to uh, foresee and forecast what the adversary is doing because the Russians are doing it in a very different way than what we do. Uh, they do the intelligence forecasting, looking holistically 50 years out. OK, well, we and- do economic forecasting depending upon uh, politics. That's what we do in this government. They, they do everything in terms of popularity, not what makes sense. So instead right. of raising the interest rates when they should have a year ago, they left them alone. They should have raised the interest. Rate. Powell should have been raising the interest rates every three months over a year ago to stop the inflation. But he didn't do it because he was told not to by his boss. That's my analysis. I know your time is short and you and I uh, could talk a lot longer. I'd like to. And I, I think you're are you pressed for time right now a little bit? Uh, let me see. I have to. I, I have a five o'clock, so I, I have to. Oh, good. Like- so let's let's use your genius for a few more minutes because I'm enjoying this enormously. I love conversation <clears throat> with people who are super intelligent with knowledge, which is very rare in the podcast world, uh, by the way. I'm actually hearing from it's kind of a fluid live conversation, which I truly appreciate. And I know the feedback on the last time you were on, uh, Rebecca, was really tremendous. But, you know, the last time you were on, you said something that is interesting. You predicted Putin would stop in May on Victory Day, the anniversary of their defeat of Nazi Germany. And he did not. What do you think happened? He did not stop the war. Is that what you said? You had predicted in our last discussion Uh that Putin would stop in May, Victory Day, the anniversary of their defeat of Nazi Germany, but he did not. What do you think happened? Uh, it's because he didn't anticipate that he will be fighting not with Ukraine, but he'll be fighting with NATO because Got we it. are providing uh, billions and billions of dollars worth of weaponry, superior weaponry to the Ukraine. The most advanced weaponry in the world. Correct. And not only that, real time targeting intelligence. And so uh, Ukrainians, it wouldn't have been possible for them to to make as many gains and especially in the counteroffensive and, and to also hold the line. Um, How and- are they doing real time targeting uh, information? What are they using? Star- are they Satell- using our our satellites? Correct. The U- Ukrainians yeah. are getting our I mean, intelligence. We can't, I, we can't get into that, but um, the. Um, well, I'm guessing as a, just an outside observer, I'm, I'm assuming they're using our satellites. Ha, I'm also going to make an assumption, Rebecca, that our special forces have been on the ground for months now. No one's going to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you're getting it right, Doc. <laughs> well, come on. I'm just a podcaster, <laughs> hardly known by anyone. Uh, I'm just enjoying my retirement by playing with words. Right, right. So, so yeah, so that's what went wrong is uh, if we didn't help Ukraine, uh, Putin operation, you know, the so-called special operation, it would have been the blitzkrieg that he planned on it to be. But it's not. And it's not because uh, he is fighting the entire, you know, Western world right now and billions of dollars 
in very superior. I mean, look, we're depleting our own supply. That's how invested we are in this. Where are we going to get our weapons from since we're giving them all to, to Zelensky's men? That's a good question, because uh, Putin is now now that he's running out, uh, he's reaching out to all the dictators. The uh, Iranians provide him with drones. Uh, North Koreans are providing them with. Well, the Iranians are very good. You know why the Iranians? I don't think China Xi Jinping is going to lend us some uh, weaponry. So the the reason the Iranians have such advanced drones, I must say, is because Obama handed them the most advanced drone on Earth. It was our drone, and it was shocking to wake up and find out while Obama was in power that our most advanced drone, the most advanced drone on Earth, was delivered to Iran without a scratch on it like a car out of a showroom. And Obama said, can we please have it back? They sent it to Iran, according to my analysis again. Well, they also stole a lot. But I mean, look, we, we do these sorts of things uh, all the time, right? The, the geniuses, I mean, they, they had Kaspersky's software, uh, the so-called, quote, antivirus software deployed on government computers. I mean, you know who Kaspersky is, right? He's the KGB, you know, for, former, quote, unquote, KGB officer. Never, so never met the gentleman. Well, I didn't I didn't have the pleasure either, um, but uh, but it, it took former President Trump to actually, you know, talk some sense into these uh, Washington geniuses and say, get that thing out of our computers. I mean, this is how we do business, right? What would Trump have done? It, Trump says this wouldn't have happened if he had been in office. And I actually believe it's true. I will explain I to you why it's true. Did you work with Trump? I never had the pleasure to work with Trump, but um, um, it's on my mind to write, you know, another piece. But I can give your readers uh, my analysis why it would have never happened. Please. That would be a great way to conclude this this discussion. OK, here are top three things. And then if we have time, I'll add uh, two more. Trump actually understood Putin's um mindset and the entire doctrine and strategy believe it or not okay here's the three things that trump did he established the uh, u.s space force uh why it's because it counters russia's space warfare strategy wow. the russians developed in uh their counter space weapons and stood up their space force in 2001 within months of when the so-called rumsfeld commission report came out that determined that our satellites are vulnerable for attacks Mm. uh that at that time the russians decided instead of actually targeting you know real targets we can disrupt the entire kill chain by attacking command and control, but disabling satellites. Okay. So Trump understood that second thing. And so he wanted to counter that strategy. Second thing is Trump authorized offensive cyber operations against foreign adversaries like Russia. Okay. Obama didn't do that. He was afraid. Mm. And third, and most importantly, doc is president Trump, understood the escalate to de-escalate strategy, the low yield tactical nuke uh, that Putin developed. And Trump directed our forces to develop a low yield uh, nuclear warhead. Wow. And we had a specific program where we would develop that warhead and it would be a uh, 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 cruise missile launched, uh, sea launched. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were working on that program. Biden comes into the office and along with, uh, you know, canceling the Keystone pipeline yeah. that ended up, you know, basically the, the fact was uh, that Putin's war was financed by that event. <laughs> uh, he also killed that program. So he, Putin knew he, he did that what? Biden, what was that last one? He, he killed the program for our own low yield tactical nuke. And so the Russians, not only right now they have advantage in tactical nukes, one to 10 ratio, we have 200 and the Russians have 2,000. We don't have the capability that the Russians have. 
Yeah, but so, you don't need more. You don't need more than a, a few mega kiloton bombs to put a war to an end. And and so Putin then knew that Trump means business, and then to top all of that yeah. off, uh, President Trump authorized a missile strike that killed three hundred Russian mercenaries in Syria. Oh, I remember okay. that. And so Putin I, knew. I, I thought that was a disaster, but okay, I remember that. Well, Putin, that showed to Putin that Trump, that behind all of that, you know, smiling and being nice and polite to him, Trump knows how to deal with dictators, right? I mean, he was having, you know, everybody. Well, was he saying, had more luck with Putin than he's having with Pelosi. That's true. That because they they mean business. They know you know, they know how look if Trump were in biz in, in is still in the office, Putin w first we wouldn't have to de-escalate because he would never do that. And he would never Trump also understood Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. One twenty third out of one eighty, I think. And I mean, in the most corrupt nations on Earth, 123 out of 180 nations. Correct. And Russia, they're just slightly less corrupt than the Russians. The Russians are, uh, I think. Uh, you mean Zelensky is in charge of a corrupt government? I really am so heartbroken to hear that. So. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, we don't want to. I mean, our hearts goes out, go out to Ukrainians. We pray for them. It's a very, very sad uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, three, four million of them the are now three to four million people are. Are, are dispersed from their homes. The, the cities are in ruins like I haven't seen. The stuff I see has not been seen since World War II. It's a humanitarian disaster all around. But having sympathy for the Ukrainian people is not the same as not seeing with clear eyes that if this is not stopped, it's going to get much, much worse. That is that is uh, sadly where we are heading unless an adult, you know, there's an adult in the room like we had in uh, back during the missile crisis uh, who's going to step in and 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 say, let's sit down and make a deal. And uh, who's I, doing that from our side? Nobody. Crickets. I'm I'm Crickets. I'm. I'm not seeing anything, but there's no even conversation. Nobody has no, no, no diplomacy, no way. Kissinger, yes. no, no shuttle diplomacy to stop it from escalating. No men, no one mentioned the word de-escalation. It seems that the military industrial complex combined with the liberal industrial complex combined with the liberal media complex combined with outright stupidity is generating what is going on. In my opinion, Rebecca well, Coffey, you have the last words. You wrote that great book. And uh, we, we had you on with that great book last time. What are your feelings as we depart today from this wonderful conversation about this terrible situation? My feeling is that we are firmly on the escalation spiral right now, and uh, we need urgently to step in and call for de-escalation to really tell, use our influence uh, on Zelensky to make him sit down with Putin and, and discuss because we are financing this whole affair. So we should be able to tell mm. him what to do and, 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 and play an adult. You and can't tell Churchill what to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> and and we need to also explain to the American people that it's Ukrainian people who are dying. They're the ones. You know, and they're being used right now. Uh, Lloyd Austin, the so-called Secretary of Defense, admitted what the goal was of the Biden administration, and that is to uh, keep the spigot open, you know, feeding them billions of U.S. taxpayers' money until the Russian military is degraded and Russian economy is weakened. Well, if someone told that to us, would we accept that? And so this is why the Ukrainian people are in between you know, these two they're like the I pawns said, in the game in, in, in the game they're pawns, right. unfortunately. And uh, my heart goes out to them. And there's there needs to be an acknowledgement that this needs to stop. The war needs to stop. You know, If we lived in a rational universe, Rebecca, instead of holding January 6th hearings as a show trial, as they did again today, they would 
hire a former president named Donald Trump to be the diplomat to go to Putin and meet with him in Geneva to make a peace treaty. That's what would be done in a rational, sane world. Instead of trying to destroy Trump, they would use his powers of persuasion and his knowledge of human beings to put an end to this madness. But I don't live in a rational world anymore. I know that. I agree with you. I think Putin would deal with Trump. I think they understand each other. And uh, Putin being the dictator, he defers like when he sees uh, like like look at it. It's, It's like like two gangsters, right? They respect who is, you know, tougher. And so Putin views <laughs> Trump. I, I mean, seriously, yes. Um, and uh, Putin respects Trump. And also Trump doesn't lecture. He doesn't, you know, go into whole democracy spiel. He just deals on a transactional basis. And he done it, doesn't diminish Putin and he doesn't call him a war criminal. Oh, or like no, 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 embarrass no. him with his own people. He just deals transactionally. And that's how you need to deal with these dictators from the position of strength and not just, you know, war- with words. Putin is not afraid of words, uh, but you don't need to antagonize them and bring us on the brink of nuclear Armageddon. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You know, Rebecca, I'm going to leave you with a little anecdote because I think you'll get a kick out of it. It may make you feel better than you do already. I hope you feel well. So I've told the story before, but not in the way I'm going to tell it. I was invited on Air Force One by a certain party, and it was a short flight from San Francisco area down to L.A. It was not going to be more than 30 minutes from one fundraiser to another. I was a last minute guest on Air Force One. They had to make calls to get me on that plane. I wanted to go. And this person said, normally it takes four days to get anyone on Air Force One. We got you on. Get down to Moffett Field. I said, what do you mean get down there? I can't go. Well, I'm going to go by bicycle. He said, okay, you'll come in our car. I go on Air Force One. They give me the tour. And before I know it, I'm ushered into the flying Oval Office. And there's Donald Trump. Are you serious? Oh, it's a true story. So there's, there's Donald Trump sitting in his Oval Office. He didn't like me at the time because I, as a, a talk show host, was a little critical of some of his policies. And he knew it. He, he, he heard from everyone because I know some people in the inner circle who would give him reports and all the people in the media. And he only liked people who were good to him. But he didn't understand. I was criticizing him to save his his. his so anyway, I sit down. He doesn't look at me, Rebecca. Watch what I do. He's sitting in his chair like a king and he goes like this. He doesn't say where he points to the chair like a nasty, a, a naughty student came in like this. It was like, bring the Hebrew in, you know, like an ancient Syrian king. Bring <laughs> He goes like this and he looks at me and he says to them, what is he doing here in the flying Oval Office to the people who brought me in? What is he doing here? So I told my wife, this is what happened. She said, I would have shrunk into a into a, a ball out of fear. I said, I'm from the same area of Queens as he is. And I understand his rhetoric. So I didn't take it personally. I said to him. President Trump, stop it. You know that you need me or I wouldn't be here at all. He said, I don't need you at all. I said, you do need me because the other guys kiss your behind and they tell you what you want to hear. And Uh I I speak to the independent audience that you need to win the election, particularly the educated women in America. So he said, I don't need that. I said, well, if you don't need it, you're wrong. You do need it. And it was like that, like from Queens. So I understand how intelligent he is and how he thinks yeah. and how he speaks is much different than the average person understands how people relate. They don't understand how he relates and they take him in the They think he's stupid or he's bumptious. Uh, this is that they don't quite understand how smart he really is. Yes. I mean, you can't you can't be. Uh, who he is and be so successful in business and be dumb. I mean, that that's a very simple, um, but it's incredible to me when I have, um, you know, analyzed what Trump did in terms of his Russia policy. It's stunning how acute, you know, um, how un- he understood like exactly like at first he didn't. I, I don't think he, at first he understood Putin. He thought he could be like friends with him. And uh, he thought that the Russians are going to help us with counterterrorism. But then I think within months, he really began 
uh, to understand. And you don't need to be a Russian friend, right? But you can deal with them transactionally because because they are a nuclear power, right? They, they but he grew up in New York in his father's construction business. Then he built yeah. these skyscrapers in Manhattan. People do understand that you don't pour a cubic centimeter of cement in Manhattan unless you deal with the the people in the cement business, so to speak. And in order to deal with these very tough gangsters in New York yes. to get your buildings built, you have to know their language. You have to know their limitations. You also have to know how to talk to them. And it's really not much different talking to the leader of another country. And I think that is why he understood how to deal with anybody on the planet except Nancy Pelosi. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> well, maybe he needs to uh, get some ice cream, some special ice cream. For oh, yes. Yeah, special ice cream for Nancy. <laughs> that would be very good. Rebecca Koffler, I love your article. Eight reasons Putin may not be buff- bluffing about using nuclear weapons. And I would add the bottom to that to make this the title of this podcast and why Trump would have prevented this war. Uh, so I don't think anybody would publish such a piece but i'm gonna write it and then uh and then see what happens okay but i'm gonna use that why trump would have prevented this war as a subtitle to your title for this podcast oh that's fine and and you can articulate and i already articulated the 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 top three reasons the the space force the uh authorized offensive cyber ops but most importantly the low yield tactical nuke then 300 mercenaries, and then finally Trump uh, exited all of the uh, agreements, you know, that didn't make any sense that the Russians were abusing the INF Treaty, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, and the Open Skies Treaty that the Russians were using to collect intelligence on us. So Trump understood all that, and those are the top five reasons. So there's another piece that I need to write, but uh, somebody (laughs) will need to publish it, and there's a lot of anti-Trump sentiments. Uh You can't say anything good about him. Do you ever come out out to this... Do you ever come out to this province called San Francisco? <laughs> I've I've been once to San Francisco. Uh, no, twice, actually. Russians love San Francisco because it reminds them of one of the cities, I guess, with the hills or something. Well, the only reason I'm mentioning it is even though it's alleged to be a horrible city and the terrible, it's really not as bad as the media makes it out to be. And if you ever come oh, out. Really? Oh, no, no, it's not that bad. New York's much more dangerous than this city. And, and we still have some great places to go, some good hidden restaurants and things like that. And I'm saying if you ever come out with your family or with the people you work with, I'd be honored to host you folks to dinner. I, I would love to come to uh, San Francisco. It's, I will uh, take you to a little place <laughs> 20 miles north of San Francisco that serves Basque food. And you'll think you're in the country of France. Really? It's, really, it's just over the Golden Gate Bridge in another maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, I, yeah. My, it's that kind of you'll, you'll think you're in the country of France and the food. I know the family for the last 30 years uh-huh. and we could sit in the quiet back room and we could really have a good time. I mean, I'm awesome. fantasizing, but keep it in mind. If ever you come out to this province Thank on the way somewhere else, <laughs> you do have a friend in San Francisco. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Appreciate your time. Of course. Take care. God Bye. bless. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.